Welcome to Staying Me While Being You, a wellness journey for actors. I'm Robin Berg. I'm Bonnie O'Neill. Hello, listeners. Welcome back from the break. We hope you had an amazing holiday. Today, we have a lovely guest, an amazing human being, Evelyn O'Neill, on our show. And today, we look forward to talking to you guys about careers, transitions, and how to make and navigate those changes in life in a way that benefits your well being. So, welcome, Evelyn. Hello. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. <laughs> And we're glad you're here too, Evelyn. Yay. So we thought we'd start by asking you kind of a big picture question as you look back. Um, let's let's just be be honest if we could. You're a woman in her yeah. mid-40s. So you've you've I am. you know had some time on this planet. You've done some beautiful, <laughs> wonderful, artistic, and big life things. And so as you look back on that journey. If you could identify maybe like the early section and then following that, what was the transition that led you out of that chunk of your career? Because our hope today yeah. is really to talk about those transitions, as Bonnie just said, and how we stayed grounded amidst them. So tell us a little bit about your early career and maybe the first point that really changed things up for you, if you could. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Thinking about this, it was it's a little funny because I'm much more satisfied where I am now <laughs> than I ever have been. And I was trying to figure out why that is, but we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to that. I'm sure. But like in the early years, I had just moved to Nashville. I'm thinking about like when I transitioned out of college and moved from Texas to Nashville and moved here for a guy that I married. And, um, at the time, I was really unsure about my place sort of in theater. And Nashville was a lot smaller then because this was a long time ago. And there just there were some opportunities, but not as many as we have now. But I thought, okay, I'll just see what I can do. It became clear very quickly that I I couldn't I couldn't sort of make a living as an actor or doing theater full time here. So it was going to be cobbling some things together. So the early part of my career, I sort of think of as little pieces of theater here and there and also jobs that keep me afloat while being a young woman in her early 20s, not being married yet, not having kids, right? all of those things. Um, so that's kind of a section. And then there's sort of the section from when I had my child, Isaac, up until about five years ago, four to, uh, five or six years ago, when I went through a major life transition and got a divorce uh, and exited that marriage and then started over with just myself. So I sort of have three identifiable um, sections that I can kind of see clearly. And I love that you're, you're in a place where you feel the most satisfied and happiest now. 
And I can't help if that part of that comes from the wisdom of age and experience and going through, sometimes we have to try on things and shift and change in order to figure out where exactly is it that we want to be. And then I think sometimes by virtue of just the fact that we're in our forties, you get to a point in life where you're like, you know, I'm okay with myself. I've made some peace. Mm -hmm. I've made some peace with those things and I'm just settled just because I am. Yeah. Yes. So I turned 40 and like immediately liked myself a whole lot more (laughs) than I like ever had. It's so weird how that happened. (laughs) It was crazy. I was like, oh, hello, you. I like you. You're great. Mm -hmm. Right. Sort of the I happen to be going through some major life changes right around that time. And I felt more confident than I ever had to make those decisions for myself, right? To trust my own intuition, to trust my knowing about myself and what I needed, to realize also that time was ticking, if that makes sense, right? And it the time mm-hmm. for making some decisions was was upon us. I had waited long enough for some things to change, things that I wanted to change in my life. And the time arrived to make those changes. Right. And I felt really, I felt really confident about doing that. It didn't mean that it was easy, but like I trusted myself and Mm. I was like, you, yeah, Ev, you can do this. Like, you know what, you know what you need. Let's, let's say it and do it. Yeah. It was, Mm. it's lovely. So I, I'm convinced that aging does a lot, does us a lot of favors, honestly. <laughs> like, I, I mean, agree. so our bodies break down and <laughs> minor details, but, <laughs> but like, but like who I am in my spirit is I'm the most me that I've ever been ever in my life. And you could not pay me to go back to my twenties, especially, I would redo my 30s maybe, but like make some different choices. (laughs) But, you know, here we are. Here we are. It's yeah, it's great. And it's funny, too, because where I am sort of career wise right now, it's like wonderful and not at all what I thought I would be doing. And it's not it's not everything right. It's it it doesn't tick all the boxes, certainly. But there's so much good in it and there's enough of stuff that speaks to my purpose and um, I don't know, my skills sets and my passions that, that that's really satisfying. Uh, so let's work our way to yeah. that very present reality yeah. in, in just a minute. And if we could yeah. go back that first section of your career yeah. you were talking about, I think a lot of people in their twenties, no matter which city they're in could identify right. with that cobbling things together and doing yeah more creative work when they can but then having some kind of day job right I mean there, there's a lot of people in that reality so then yeah. you talked about that first transition really coming when you got married and had a child and so mm-hmm. what was that transition like for you how did you handle things changing was it a good thing was it a bad thing was it a little bit of both what what were some of the right. particulars around that transition things were going along pretty smoothly uh i was i was very happy cobbling things together for a while i worked with a very tiny theater company who existed in the nashville area at the time 
whose focus was mostly on the works of C.S. Lewis, teeny tiny operation, but we were doing really interesting things. That wasn't going to be my forever, and I knew it, but I had a job, right, in theater for the moment. And so I did that for a while. I did a lot of temp work. I did, I uh, worked as a seasonal stitcher at theater companies around town and the ballet and stuff like that. So I would go in and be a contract stitcher for them for various things because that was a skill that I have. That was all fine. Like I ultimately knew about myself that my hope and my goal was to stay at home when I had a child and to be fully a stay-at-home mom, at least for a time. And I think what that did for me is that made it really hard for me to pour myself into a, like career choices. I think if I could redo it now, I would do it differently. I would say, oh, Ev, don't worry about that. You'll take the time off when you need to. But it was sort of like part of me was waiting for that. Mm -hmm. And so that's fine. That's what I did. But that meant I never gained any traction sort of anywhere. I think that is challenging. Even today for some women, sometimes we don't get the message that ambition is okay and that we can totally pursue something for five years, seven years, even 10 and then take a break from that. Like we don't have, we don't, we're not supported in that way is what I see. I, I see places where that's changing, but for me at that time, I was like, well, what am I like? I just, I know that I want to take time to be a stay at home mom. So what am I going to do? Right. Oh, sweet, precious Evelyn. Right. Like, <laughs> I look at that now and I go, oh, I, I think that was limiting to to me at the time, but that's okay. Here we are, right? I also a think you big, don't even know yeah. what that really means until you're in it. At least it's that true. was my experience, right? Because um, yes. I, I had the opposite experience where I did not stay home with my two children. Yep. I went back to work probably way too quickly. Yeah. Um, and I have regrets about that. And if I could go back and change some things, I'd probably stay home longer with at least right. one, if not both of my children. Right. And until you're really living it, you, you just don't, you don't know. know the reality of it. And people can tell yeah. you till you're blue in the face, what it's going to be like when you have a kid, no matter what industry you're in. And then yeah. you have one and you're like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember yeah, a friend of mine had a baby way earlier than the rest of our friend group. Yeah. And after we all had children, like a decade later, we all called her and we were like, oh my God, I am so sorry. We were such selfish, <laughs> ridiculous friends and we totally get it now. And yep. uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's, it's one of those things where I feel like we do a disservice by trying to tell people what that season of life that's coming is going to be like, yes. as opposed to preparing them to say, no matter what that season of life is going to look like. Here are some character traits. Here are some tools that you can develop that will help yes. you to navigate that no matter what it looks like on the other side. Yes. And yeah. because I think we also culturally, I mean, we've seen this with racial inequalities and numerous other things. 
we automatically assume that how a certain stage of life is for me, that's how it's going to be for everybody. Right. And there are certain similarities, obviously, you know, that sure. all, all mothers will experience a certain level of exhaustion, <laughs> you know, things like that, to right. say the least, but we don't, we don't cultivate the, the tools that they need in order to get through those transitions. We just think, oh, if I just tell you what it's like, then you'll be prepared and you'll know. And yeah. I don't think, I don't think that that's reasonable or accurate. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes back to, I think something, Evelyn, to circle back to something you were saying earlier about, you know, your knowing changed over time and now you trust yourself, that knowing, the knowing of self, learning how to trust ourselves. I think that's at the heart of what we're talking about. Yes. You know, you, it sounds like part of what was limiting back then was you didn't trust yourself. Yeah. in that season. You didn't yeah. trust yourself to know when it was going to come and to be okay when you got there. So you were preemptively preparing for it before you needed to. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. I totally agree. I would definitely, like, I think back to that, Evelyn, and I have so much love for her. She did great. Like, she was doing terrific. There was a lot she didn't know, and she was making her way, right, the best that she could. So, no mistakes really, <laughs> right? Just, just like, oh, I can see now that if I knew all the things I know currently, I would have made some different choices mm-hmm. early on, but that's okay. Let's kind of pick up with that second chunk then. So yeah. you know, early Evelyn has a big shift when she gets married, has a child, makes some choices yeah. that affect her career. She can look back on that now with a certain amount of knowledge, but we get into that second season of your Mm -hmm. career and talk us through that a little bit. And then specifically, you know, the transition out of that one. When I had Isaac three weeks after he was born, I took a costuming job (laughs) and I trundled that little bitty newborn baby all over Nashville with me. (laughs) And I fed him on the go. I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, like this was, my hormones were whack, y'all. Like, what in the world? And I think about that. He was in his little carrier, and I just was like having fittings with a person. Here's an actor, and there's my baby right there. And he's fussy. I have like five minutes. <laughs> like, I mean, it just, I schlepped that child around, and I just look back now and I'm like, what the hell? Like, how did I I do that? I have no idea. And it's fine. But we we needed whatever income I could piece together. And so I just kind of took jobs here and there. So for quite a few years, I was just sort of doing like contract creative work, uh, mostly theater related. It could be costuming or acting, directing, you know, that kind of thing. But it started when Isaac was the weest little tiny baby. He just was, he was my buddy and like went around with me everywhere. And so it was, I'd say probably it was about 10 years. Yeah, nine or 10 years of that sort of work. In in that segment of time, I would take part-time jobs as needed if our finances dictated something like that. So I had some coffee shop jobs. I really, I actually love working at a coffee shop. I think it's super fun. Yeah. And just did a lot of stuff that kind of 
fit in. And like if I took an acting gig, hopefully rehearsals were in the evening when my husband at the time would be available to kind of to take over, you know, tag team. I don't know. I guess I made some ground. Like I, I, that's when I really felt like I got into the Nashville theater community. I guess it started around 2010, 2011 is when I really started taking on more acting jobs and started really getting to know people uh, in the theaters and other actors in town and started cultivating some of those relationships. So Evelyn, talk a little bit more about, we've so far kind of taken through two two big steps of your journey. And briefly, we've talked about what you did to kind of muddle through to the next step. But can you get more specific about anything? And it's certainly okay to say, well, this is what I did. But man, 20 years later, this is what I would have done instead. Right? (laughs) Right? Because we've talked a lot today already about how much we've learned with age. So what do you think you did to stay well or whole or grounded throughout some of these earlier chunks of your career? And then then hopefully eventually we'll kind of get to a more present state. I would say probably the the biggest thing, most consistent thing that I've done throughout most of my adult life is therapy. So I haven't done it. It's not like I've been doing therapy every week for 25 years, but there have been large chunks of time where that's something that is happening for me. Therapy for me, well, I tried it on my last semester of college because I was breaking out about graduating and going into the world. And so I tried at my universities, just whatever their, you know, little therapy place was. I believe I saw a student therapist and she wasn't great. Like it was fine. (laughs) We did what we could. And that sort of got me through these mega existential crises that I was having about leaving the safety of college world and that sphere and moving on into my adult life. So I just did it for a few weeks that final semester. And then I was like, I'm fine. I don't need therapy. Everything's great. There was still, I would say at that time, there was still a bit of stigma, especially sort of in the in the circles that I was in, sort of social circles and very sort of conservative evangelical um, circles of family and relationships and that kind of thing. There was some stigma still about therapy. It was shifting a little bit, but it was, if you were going to do that, if you were going to do that, you needed to make sure you saw a Christian therapist and, you know, talk about God and all of those things. Like that was part of the deal. So I was like, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm going to move to Nashville and it's going to be great. I guess three years, three or four years after my move to Nashville. So still really young, early mid twenties, I had a major family trauma and my mom uh, died suddenly and it threw everything into sharp focus about what I can and cannot process and handle. And so there was incredible amounts of stress and anxiety during that time. And so I immediately got like a triage therapist and 
God bless her. She she did great. She walked me through sort of the first two years of of that series of events. And then I took a step back. And then I could always tell my body would always tell me when it was time to pick it back up again. What were the clues that your body was giving you? Not being able to get out of bed. (laughs) Wow. That's, that's one. Yeah. I would be like, oh, cool. (laughs) I think, I think it's time. Yeah. Feeling sort of trapped in my body, if that makes sense, like feeling Mm -hmm. compelled to need to like run or exercise really hard in some way. That's another clue that I'm holding a lot of stuff that's not getting out in a, Mm -hmm. in a healthy way at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So tuning in to some of those things, of course, that just takes time too, doesn't it? Right. Like experiencing that with your mind, with your body, cluing into some of those, getting getting the tools to recognize and identify uh, what's happening in your spirit and in your physical body as well. Yeah, so definitely getting out of bed. When I, mm-hmm. when I can't do that, then I know that there's something to be addressed. So yeah, that's happened several times. So then I would go, oh, okay time to go back right well Um, really you're 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 blessed to have I would say most actors have kind of an intuitive sense about their bodies and not everybody has that so I can imagine that there's people out there that just lay in bed and don't know what that means don't know what's happening about it yeah so I mean yeah glass half full here is that yeah you've got a little bit of intuition in that arena and know that that means something that you need to go take some action on Right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's um, a huge yeah. piece of it too, is saying is not only recognizing that something is wrong, but then also then connecting that dot to not only do I need to take action, but I also know what action to take. Right. So not everybody goes, Oh, I can't get out of bed. I need to go to therapy, mm-hmm. you know, or yeah. oh, I need to exercise if I'm feeling this particular way those kinds of responses to those physical and emotional experiences were ones that you cultivated over time, probably through the work of both acting and also therapy. Yeah, absolutely. Every, I feel like every therapist that I've seen has given me another set of tools to add to my toolbox. I, I'm really, I'm eternally grateful to the the first major therapist, the one that stepped in when I was uh, experiencing the trauma in my family, because I, d- I don't know that she'd ever sort of handled someone who was going through what I was going through, and we were just figuring it out together. But she showed up, and we talked it through. And it wasn't until probably two or three therapists after her that I realized that there were some extremely toxic systems in my family that that time that I was seeing her, I was still absolutely a part of Mm -hmm. and had no idea that I had been hoodwinked, right? Like that I was Mm -hmm. part of something that was bigger than me. I had no idea. And so I think, I think about her and I just go, Oh my God, God bless you. Like, 
thank you for doing what you did for me. I know so much more now, right? <laughs> well, and I love what you're talking about because this, I think, applies to just all humans as well as uh, when people are on the stage or on screen, you know, working in a, you know, creative environment is that we cannot understand people outside of their context. People yes. make sense within terms of the context of their relationships, their family dynamics. Right. And so often we, we don't see them because we're used to them. There are things about, about my family. I love my family. I have a great family, Yeah, but yeah. there were things that I didn't realize. I'm like, Oh, you mean that's not typical. That's not healthy <laughs> until I got out of school right. and I realized, so y'all don't do this. <laughs> okay. Right. That's apparently just an us thing. And, <laughs> and I think that happens to, you know, on stage is that, and this I think is the wisdom of a performer's, um, the arc of a performer's life, you know, mm -hmm. in their career is that you start not only cultivating that sense of context and the impact of your context, I mean, personally, but also you start noticing more and more of that on stage yeah. and in those performative elements. And so, and then you become aware of how the personal affects the professional, the professional is impacting the personal mm -hmm. and you become aware of those things that younger you were blind to. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I have so much more access when I, when I do take on acting work now, I have so much more access to depths of, of, and layers of things that I would never have understood, mm -hmm. uh, years ago. Right. And that's a combination of my own experiences and also walking with others, observing, right. Talking, um, having relationships and, experiencing a lot of different things myself. It's, yeah, it's really interesting. So, so definitely therapy okay. and then movement also, like uh, working out of some sort. And I can always tell, I go in and out of seasons with that. And I can always tell, again, I'm actually going into a season where I'm about to start exercising sort of officially again. Mm -hmm. I, I I move a lot. Like I get a lot of movement. I get it at work. I love taking walks. It's that kind of thing. But like some specific exercise things that really help me. And it's really funny that we're talking about this because it was, I think it was last Monday where I was struggling, struggling a little bit uh, to get up and like wake up. And this has been sort of building sort of dealing with some dread around getting out of bed and facing my day. And I had an epiphany and I was like, oh, it's time to start working out again. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, this is not, we're not even talking it. This is not vanity working out. This is like, girl, get those endorphins. Like, yeah. yes, you it need is such them. a great <laughs> mood regulator. It really yes. is. Yeah. Yes. I have to do it's, it for my mental health. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a great example it. of like what the 20s actress would have been more about like the vanity, you know, part yes. of working out. And now in the 40s, it's like, ah, well, I don't care. I don't care about that. I don't it's even care. Just, I need to no. feel like a human. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's so yes. essential that, I mean, I hit that point where I, my mother, thanks to my mom, uh, she cultivated 
this sense of whenever I was in a funk, she would ask me these things. She goes, well, okay, well, when was the last time you ate a good meal? And I was yes. like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm a poor college student. Uh, you know, she was like, okay, well, how is your sleeping? <laughs> you know, yep. how is your, you know, prayer and spiritual activity? Yes. How's your social activity or inactivity? And then also, when was the last time you worked out? And I was like, what are you calling me fat? You know, because I was that emotional teenager. Thank you. Right, right. And she's like, she goes, no, she goes, you're happier when you're not. And so thanks to her, I I knew that about myself in my 20s, which is, I'm just so grateful for that. And then when I went to grad school in my early 30s, I hit this point where I was getting, I think I was the only grad student who was getting up at five 30 in the morning, just so I could go work out, you know, yes. three to four times a week before I started my whole massive day. Yes. And people thought I was crazy. And I thought, no, I'm going to be crazy if I don't do it. Yeah. Right. I knew the thing that got me out of bed. It wasn't my vanity. It was the laying there knowing that things are going to get a lot harder if I don't tend to that part of my life. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So therapy, movement, these are great tools that you used throughout these first uh, couple major shifts or or chunks of your life. And so take us a little bit more present. What was the the transition into what your present reality is? How did you navigate that transition? What keeps you busy now, uh, fulfilled now? And yeah, just bring us up to speed. It became clear in, say, 2017, 2018, that I was going to have to choose a different path regarding my marriage. And that was something that I'd had a question about for for many years. But it it just, it became clear and I trusted myself that the time had come. It was massively sad time in my life. Like I did not take this lightly at all. I sat with this knowledge for several months, just holding it and being curious about it and looking at it. And what continued to come up was uh, a deep knowing that yes, it was time. When I sort of accepted that, I felt grief, like massive grief. But I also, I knew that was right, you know? I think anybody who's gone through a big shift, like something like divorce or separating from a partner, you know, anything like that, it there's some knowing there about like, yeah, this is this is now the right step. But oh God, like it's hard, right? And it's not not what I wanted when when I signed up for this originally, right? During that time, my I had a therapist who was sort of walking me through that season. I was relying a lot on, uh, I have very dear, dear friendships with several amazing women, and I was relying a lot on them. These Some of these people have known me my whole life, right? Some people uh have known me just a few years, but it's it's one of those like really deep, deep friendships. Yeah. And I also did a lot of movement during that time to help 
regulate my emotions and everything. Knowing that that was what was next, it was clear that we were now going to be done with stay-at-home mom time. And I say stay-at-home mom, you know, I had been picking up more and more work over the years as Isaac grew a little bit older and started school and that kind of thing. But I still had not been holding down like a full-time job. And so that was super daunting (laughs) to think (laughs) about, oh shit, I got to go actually fully support myself and find a place to live and find a job. And just like the most beautiful the most beautiful things sort of, I'm not going to say came to me, but I was, I really felt cared for every step of the way. I found an affordable place to live. Like without me even trying, I got offered a job at the Nashville Public Library where my role since then has expanded, but like that was exactly what I needed at that time, I didn't even know they had an opening. Like it was, it was that sort of care and provision that was provided for me at the time. I made it my absolute focus that my former husband and I would take care of our business away from our child and that I would only speak positively to Isaac about his dad and that he, that his dad and I would model care and consideration to the best of our ability in front of our child. That transition was massive. It was massive. But I absolutely felt huge peace because I knew who I was and I knew what I had been waiting for and I knew it was time to step forward in a direction that I had hoped not to have to take, but that here we were, you've got this. And it was, it was a lot. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I love that you brought into this conversation, the concept of grief because, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think grief has been present through, I think it's the present through everyone's transitions. Mm -hmm. You cannot have transition without grief. Yeah. Um, the grief takes different shape and form each time, but it's always there. And it's something that a lot of people run from because we think, oh, I'm grieving. Grieving is bad. Um, right. As opposed to thinking, no, grieving is life. And yes. grieving is something that we need to embrace and move through intentionally. And it's not all painful. Sometimes parts of grief is also a little sweet too. Right. It does come. Sometimes there's peace in grief mm-hmm. and it's, com- it's much more complicated than I think most people realize. And it's something that you've definitely highlighted through all of the transitions that you've talked about today. So I think for this, my most recent transition, the leaving the marriage and moving into this segment of my life, I've, I've got to say, I really think that my previous experience with grief that began in my mid-20s with the death of my mom and sort of the blowing up of my family at that time, that did nothing but serve me well for walking through 
the grief of of saying goodbye to my marriage i i had i had context for what major changes could look like i knew that the sadness the 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 deep deep pain would not last forever right like i already knew that i didn't i wasn't going to be just stuck somewhere post divorce sad middle-aged right. lady right <laughs> right i i knew that i needed to honor that whatever i was feeling right but that that that's not the end like we're not closing the door on this marriage and now our life is over ev right like we're closing the door on this we need to honor this for what it was i have no regrets about uh, being married for as long as I was. I have no regrets for how hard I worked to make that marriage work. I have no regrets for being married to the person I was married to. But we, so we've got to like honor that and make sure we feel all the feelings that we need to feel about that and know that you're not going to, you're not going to live there forever because I've already, I've walked through an experience of, of deep, traumatic grief before you know so like okay i know that i can survive right like this is this is great <laughs> and what a beautiful parallel there is to acting um what is acting if not transition mm. what yeah. is acting if not honoring all of the things that you're experiencing all at once and trying to embody them in in that way and then the journey of an actor throughout their lifetime is, you know, the first couple of times that you're on stage is different than the 50th time that you're on stage mm -hmm. and what you experience there. And you build your, you build professionally on those mm -hmm. earlier experiences and those challenges too. Yeah, that is beautiful, Evelyn, that you can see the past and what you went through as a tool to help you get through your more recent present. Mm -hmm. And that um, there was learning and growth in what you had to experience in your 20s and, and how that helped you, you know, many years later. So you get divorced. You're yes. trying to figure out who you are uh, after that. Where does that lead you over these last couple of years? It led me to this amazing job that I currently have that I am super grateful for. And I don't know how long I'm supposed to be there, but I know I'm supposed to be there right now. And so that's great. I work for the Nashville Public Library. I'm a puppeteer. I'm a full-time performing artist uh, with our in-house puppet troupe, which is just amazing to say. Um, and I've always loved puppetry uh, and enjoyed that form of storytelling because ultimately it's another form of storytelling. And that's what I love. And so I get to do that. I get to like sew tiny puppet clothes and, <laughs> and learn and get better at these these puppetry arts, which are really beautiful. There's some amazing artistry that goes with learning how to operate a marionette, for example. You know, it's just it's a job that employs a lot of my creative skills and I also get to interact with uh, our beautiful community here in Nashville, which I love doing. And so professionally, like you could not have told me that I would have a job, <laughs> like a full-time job. First of all, at the library, like, listen, I love the library. This is a dream 
for me because I lived in the library as a child. I'm a total book nerd, loved reading, read all the time. Are you kidding? The library. Yes. Also, it's the beautiful downtown National It's Library. an amazing library. It's gorgeous. So just aesthetically, like this is my workspace, right? It's this beautiful building and doing a form of theater for my job is just really, it's super special. That being said, it's my full-time job and it doesn't leave me a lot of time to take on actual theater work, right? Stage work or anything like that. I was able to do a show this past year for Nashville Rep and that was a wonderful experience. And I sort of just crammed it in there, right? I was like, okay, things are going to be really nuts for like a month and a half and we're just going to do it and it's going to be great and I'm going to be exhausted. And sure enough, I was completely exhausted, got sick the day after closing, right? Like As happens to a lot of actors. Yes. Yes. Burning that candle at both ends. But that really scratched an itch for me. So it had been uh, a few years since I had been on stage especially in sort of a a meaty role that I like was really passionate and excited about. And I mean, also, let's not forget the pandemic threw off so many things, right? So there was the there was the insulation from theater because of that, as well as it happened to line up with uh, pretty closely to the transition that I was going through. I'm amazed that I can have this full-time job. And I think with some careful planning and not doing it very often, I can also take on work that's meaningful to me in more of a traditional theater setting. And honestly, doing that show, it was in August, September uh, of, of last year. And I'm like, great. I don't need to do that again for mm-hmm. <laughs> like for a hot minute because I was so tired. Yeah. <laughs> I know I know that I can do it. So that was a big victory. Just what a great place to be because early in our careers, I think we're like, ah, feast or famine. I just have to take everything all the time whenever it comes, you know, and I think Mm -hmm. a lot of what you're saying today is that this wisdom comes with age and you get to a place where you're like, I don't have to take something just because it was offered to me. Yeah. I can take something uh-huh. because it's uh, the right project with the right people at the right time. And maybe yeah. it's going to be exhausting, but I can make it happen. But that doesn't mean I have to do the next one either, that I can make changes. Yes. Well, I don't have anything to prove, y'all. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, how I know freeing. who I how am. Freeing. How, yeah. Right? It's so freeing. I did that show. I went for the show in the first place, auditioned in the first place to prove something to me. Mm. And had no idea how the casting was going to work out. It was a really gorgeous exercise in doing something for purely for myself because it was calling to me and I had to go for it. Like I had to try that. And I was very much at peace about not knowing the results. Like I'm going to go for this audition. I may or may not get it. I have no idea. For the first time ever, I set intentions for the audition with the help of my therapist. They were true. So the intention was to have a blast at my audition. The intention was, if I fuck up, I'm going to start over and keep going, (laughs) right? I've literally never 
honestly had those intentions. My intentions in the past have been to be perfect, duh, and to get cast. Hello. This one, I I couldn't believe. I was like, is this what is this what being in my 40s is like? Because it's because mm-hmm. it's amazing. Setting intentions is setting your mindset and your yes. mindset going into something is a massive game changer for how you feel and how you function in those moments. Yes. I don't know if technically it was the best audition I've ever had, but it was the best for me that I've ever had where I walked out of there going, awesome. I did it. I had so much fun. I felt great. And I laid it all out. Now what happens? It's not in my hands anymore. It was so freeing. And just to, just to have like an, another, another set of tools at my disposal to walk through that. In the midst of all of these things, when I left the marriage and moved out and got my job and started living my life, I, I mean, it was within a month, I felt the most like myself that I had ever felt in probably about 20 years. It was remarkable. I noticed it. At work, I was ready to go. Things that would have caused me a lot of anxiety. Like I was learning a shit ton of new stuff at like on the job. And it was stressful. But I just lived in the moment. Like I just show I would show up. I would go, here's what we're doing today. And I'm gonna learn this new show and I'm gonna work with these puppets that I've never worked with before. And whereas in the past that would have given me a lot of need for perfection. I was like, fuck it. <laughs> like, I'm just doing what I can <laughs> with what I've got today. And that's enough. At the end of the day, I would go, Evelyn, I really like you. Like you're doing great. <laughs> I would go, gosh, you're like, you're doing awesome. And you have a lot to offer. You're a good coworker. You know what? You're a good enough mom. It was really, it was a really beautiful time of reconnecting with who I was and who I wanted to be and how I wanted to be in the world. And then I met my wife and that was a huge surprise. And here we are. (laughs) The power of context and mindset. (laughs) And then the minute that you kind of make some tweaks there, it's amazing Mm -hmm. what else opens up. Yeah. Yeah. Because you did know your wife beforehand but the second you kind of step into yourself these people that you already knew become like brand new figures in your life you see them in different ways because you see the whole world in a different way and maybe you're open to that possibility of obviously what what became a beautiful love story yes and it was shocking (laughs) (laughs) I did not know this was going to be part of my story but there was that trusting myself element after sitting with it and going, yeah, no, Ev, this is what you're experiencing. I don't, I can't explain it exactly, but this is, this is my lived experience. Let's examine it. Cause I didn't want to be just having like some midlife crisis right? <laughs> like where you're just acting out or going the opposite direction for, you know, for fun or whatever, but sitting with it going, yeah, no, this is, this is okay. Actually, this might be beautiful. Let's try it. I would never, would never have thought to try that. Would never have given myself permission in the mm. past 
to try something so outside of the box for me. I remember you saying, well, she's my person. And there was just yes. something like so <laughs> solid about it. And I was like, my person. okay, great. That's okay. phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really lovely to get to know me and then to see sort of what that has opened up as I walk through. What you're talking about today is something that kind of drove Robbins in my earlier conversations when we were talking about, it's not that you have to have trauma in order to be able to feel on stage um, and be able to access that pain, that it's actually rather when you take the time and do the work and to resolve those things, to heal those things, that then you have the freedom Mm -hmm. in life to explore them. You have the freedom in life to explore personally, and you have the freedom in life to explore in a role as well. Mm -hmm. And I think you've kind of encapsulated that beautifully in your story. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So tell us about where your journey goes from here, Evelyn, and what ah, tools ah. and predict the future for us. Um, and <laughs> what tools, a little magic eight ball, <laughs> right? <laughs> what tools do you envision using? You know that that you have either tried throughout these years we've discussed today mm-hmm. that you know work or things that maybe you've not tried that you're curious about and may uh, find a way to incorporate. So where do you go from okay. here? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Great let's answer. Just, let's just be let's just be really clear about that. <laughs> Stuff that's opening up for me just in the past few years. Again, I think with the advent of hey, who am I? Right? Okay, so I've left a marriage and a situation and whatever that system was, I'm not part of that anymore. What do I want from me now? Has opened up a lot of thoughts and questions. I have always wanted to go to grad school. I'm like, well, let's go to grad school. But I'm looking at a couple of different sort of avenues and really just sitting with and holding that idea of, I want to go get my master's in something. I think I have an idea of what that is, but I'm open to it shifting. It's sort of a personal goal. My mom had started her master's and then a few things in her life conspired against her finishing that. I kind of want to do it to honor her and also honor the desire I have in me. Right now I have to have a full-time job. I'm starting to like look into grad programs online programs. Like, what does this look like? What do I want? I'm looking at basically career-wise and and earning power. Where do I want to be as I move into the next decades of my life? And while I'm very grateful for the job that I have, I I don't know that this is going to take me through retirement. Opening up to dreaming a little bit about where do we want to live? So therapy is going to be really big. I have an amazing therapist right now who I love and trust deeply. I would really like to actually do meditation for like we're big fans. Okay, fans on this show. Okay, yes, 
is I I think many people can identify with this, but it is very hard for mm -hmm. me to sit and meditate. There's multiple yeah. kinds of meditation yeah. that That's don't right. all involve just sitting and being with our thoughts. Right. Mm -hmm. right. And so I always tell people when they're starting out a meditative journey to explore the different types, maybe one that's more engaging. There's movement meditation, there's focused yes. meditation, finding one that is easier to break into it. And then as you develop that habit, you find that those, those other ones kind of fall into place too. And nobody says okay. you have to meditate for a half hour the first time, right? Oh, gosh, I mean, no. there's Two, one minutes. minute meditation right. out there, right. Oh yeah. but you could build that habit over a number of weeks with yeah. a one minute meditation every day. And then maybe one Thank day God. you're like, I think I'm ready oh. for two minutes. Yes. That's beautiful. It. When we're young and we don't know ourselves as well, and we're not as anchored within, then mm -hmm. we are constantly in flux because we look for these external anchors. <gasps> You know, these, I need this situation to be just so, so I can feel just so. Yes. And then as we start to know and trust ourselves, it shifts and becomes that internal anchor where all of a sudden it's no, I know. And I trust myself and therefore I feel just so mm. regardless if, if the situation, the people, the relationships are not just so. Yes. And that makes the future and the not knowing of, I don't know, maybe Nashville, maybe not, maybe right. new career, maybe grad school, maybe here, maybe there, maybe, and I'm sounding like Dr. Seuss. Um, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> one of my favorites. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but it's, it's makes it easier because if I have that internal anchor, then I don't worry about those external fluctuations and variables. Right. And that's why I think it's, exciting to say, I don't know. And isn't yeah. that great? Yeah, I totally agree. I don't know. And I'm really curious, but it's, it's sort of an exciting, I don't know. Your don't son know. is only three or four years away from graduating high school and becoming Just an adult stop. and maybe out I of cannot. your house. And so I would have to imagine that that is a transition yes. yet to come that will certainly, you know, unleash some new things within you as his mother. Yes. I think that's partly where the is Nashville my place um, question comes into play is thinking about if he goes on a college journey himself, that sort of opens up a whole new realm of possibilities. Uh, it's, there's been a lot of dreaming and sometimes I get frustrated with it and want to just know. And then overall, for the for the most part, I'm okay with um, doing the day-to-day -day and also dreaming big picture. All right, Evelyn, if we could yes. bridge into okay, let's what bridge. we call our rapid fire response. Oh, Lord. Okay. Annie and I have <laughs> posed these buzzwords to every guest we've had thus far. Um, okay. But we've decided in this new year that in addition to our, our stock buzzwords, we're going to throw a couple extra special flavors at each guest. So you're our, our guinea pig in that arena. So okay. are you ready? Just mm -hmm. say Let's whatever comes to mind. It can be a single word. It could be a handful of words. It could be an image. Okay. There's no right answer. Okay. 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 We say food. You say. Good. <laughs> I love food. <laughs> Love it. Yes. We say movement. You say 
yes, please. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I, I want that. Mm -hmm. We say sleep, you say. Oh, Lord, baby Jesus, help me. <laughs> I, I need, need, need better, want better. Yeah. Will I ever? I don't know. I think if you start yeah. meditating, you might find some better Meditation sleep around the helps. bed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, noted. Thank you so much. We say nature, you say. Uh, oh, healing. Mm. Healing. Mm -hmm. Well, look at this one. We say meditation, you say. <laughs> Guilt trip. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, just kidding. Uh, yeah, that's my cue, obviously, to pick up meditation. <laughs> we'll be doing that shortly. <laughs> we say change, you say? Uh, growth, opportunity. We say self-talk, you say? Kindness. Mm -hmm. Choose to be kind. Mm-hmm. So is there anything that we haven't talked about today um, that you want to share with other actors on a wellness journey? Giving yourself abundant grace and acceptance. Fundamentally believing that you're okay, that you, that you can, that you have the tools, that you're not broken. I don't know. That does, that did wonders for me as well. Something I say to my clients a lot is wounded, not crazy. <gasps> yes. Wounded, not crazy. Yes. Yeah. So and that gives yourself a little bit more permission to be kind. Well, <laughs> Evelyn and all of our listeners, we hope that you stay you and you stay well, and we will see you next time. Thanks, y'all. Mm -hmm.